Motivated Endeavors podcast. I'm James Miller. I hope you're having a great week. My guest today, she is a fitness innovator with a master's degree in exercise and sport sciences from the University of Florida. She currently resides in Gainesville and she's been teaching fitness, speaking, and has been announcing races around the globe for decades. My guest is Fitz Kohler and her personal cancer journey is detailed in her book, My Noisy Cancer Comeback. It's a no hold barred account of her gory, juicy, terrifying and funny details of her breast cancer battle. And in my own experience with my mother's breast cancer and, and the friends that I've had on my podcast that have had different forms of cancers and rare cancers is brought me to this story from Fitz. Fitz, good morning. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Uh, no problem at all. So first, what exactly is a race race announcer and how does that brought you around the globe? Yeah, so it's interesting. I do, I, I do it for a living. This is how I pay my bills. This is my a big chunk of my career and so many people have no idea what that is. But I man the start and finish lines of some of the largest, most iconic running events in the United States. And so when runners arrive, I'll say Los Angeles Marathon, for example, we have close to 30,000 on Marathon Race Day and they gather around Dodger Stadium and I'm there playing fantastic music, greeting people, getting them engaged, informed and entertained. I'm, I feel very strongly about the entertainment part because racing should be fun. Sure, running can be hard, walking can be hard, but especially these long distances. But when we all come together, it should be a party. And my start lines look very much like the stands at a World Cup soccer game. People are losing their minds, celebrating, and it's really exciting. And then I'm there at a finish line to welcome each person home like a champion, not only the winner, but the middle folks and the very dead last person should feel like they won the entire event. I'm, I'm committed to celebrating everybody's triumphs and pretty cool, pretty cool thing to do. I'm very fortunate. Are these races that are that are geared towards benefits like cancer, or are these just races for everyone? So Los Angeles Marathon, for example, is owned by the McCourt Foundation, which is a nonprofit that works towards MS and, and motor function causes. And then some races are just there for pure profit. But isn't that great that people can make a profit based off of encouraging people to get healthy, get active, get out and share and change their lives? So it's a big mix. But our runners, you know, they're the they're the stars of the show and they're always working for it, their own health, great causes in their community. So it's it's a privilege to support them. So you're, you're engaged in, in the community in these races, you know, that it's encouraging people to to get out and be active. So how has that commitment to health and fitness impacted your, your your fight with cancer and did that come before or after were, were the races first and you had cancer later on yeah yeah so i've been race announcing since 2014 i'm a fitness expert my entire career has been built off of helping people live better and longer by making fitness understandable attainable and fun i do it on a mass scale so i'm not the girl in the gym i'm not the personal trainer i'm always the person on the stage or a microphone doing mass impact, mass audience type work. And through that, I was invited to start race announcing. And, you know, what's interesting is things and things in my career have evolved beautifully. So when I was diagnosed in 2019, it was about six weeks after a sparkly clean mammogram, I found a lump at a race weekend. Oh, and 
it had already spread to three lymph nodes. So it was, it just poof happened inside. You had a mammogram and and it came back clean and then you felt something. Yeah. Well, it was six weeks later. And so what the radiologist explained, because I said, how does that happen? And she said, well, there's no rule that says the second you walk out of your mammogram, that one cell can't go rogue and boom, you've got cancer. And so you know, this is why we not only do those annual exams, people, it's you have to use your hands. It's your stuff. You got to squeeze your stuff. You got to constantly inspect your body and be aware of what's going on with it. You know, I was naked in the shower or came out and I touched my boob. Thank God I did because that's how I found the, the lump. And again, it had already spread. It was moving quickly. If I had waited to the next annual mammogram, I'd be dead. I would be so dead. You would you'd be talking about me instead of to me. So. So, yeah, that happened. And, you know, the, the the story that ensues is 15 months of chemo, which is a really long time to have chemo and 33 rounds of radiation and some surgeries. And, you know, before, you know, you're having chemo, you know what chemo can do to you, but you're not necessarily sure what it will do. But before I started my first treatment, I made two great decisions. Number one is that I wasn't going to miss out on special time with my kids two teenagers at the time of diagnosis. And, you know, I committed if they have a game, if they have a show, if they have a ceremony, I'm going to be there come hell or high water. And then the other thing I fully committed to was my career. I was not going to miss out on any of my events. I earned my rightful spot on those stages and that time with those people. And come hell or high water, I wasn't giving it up. And so through my 15 months of chemo therapy and other stuff, I boarded about 30 planes out of Gainesville to go announce races. And which for some people seems crazy, you know, right now we're in this weird environment and people are like, oh, you might get sick, stay home, hide out. And I would have died. I definitely would have died if all I would have been was sick. Instead, I chose life. I chose sport. I chose adventure. And, you know, we had to do things like get me IV fluids in all of these towns around the country. But I would sleep on the hotel bathroom floors many nights because I was that sick. And then at four five in the morning, when my alarm went off, I'd get up. I would drag myself over to the start line. And the magic was when I stepped onto those stages in front of those thousands of wonderful people, everything that was wrong with me kind of disappeared. And besides my bald head, you would not have known I was a sick person. I, I was fueled by the incredible humans in front of me. My job was to serve them and focus on them. And, you know, that's really the blessing of doing things you're passionate about and being surrounded by people that you adore. Because boy, did it lift me out of that funk, at least for the time that I was announcing. When when the race was over, I'd shut down and things went wrong again, but it, it was wonderful. So was this, are you erasing yourself during this period when you were getting treatment? or? or- uh- I, I did do, I think I did a 5K halfway through my treatment. I kind of dragged myself across the finish line, which was fine. Only, I think only one race during treatment. But a month after treatment, I did a 5K Spartan race. And then I jumped into a triathlon the next weekend. So yeah, and 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 I'm in this world of people who really care about their bodies. And, and I influence them through my work. And I have so many people running full marathons during chemo, doing 5Ks, doing triathlons. They, Health and fitness is very possible during cancer. And that's what these two next books, Your Healthy Cancer Comeback, Sick to Strong, and the Healthy Cancer Comeback Journal, those are specifically designed to help people 
of all types of cancer, all ages and fitness levels, prevent the decline. You know, there's mm. there's things in control during cancer to stop the slide. And then, you know, how do you how do you get back to normal and better once you've been brutalized by these drugs and these surgeries and so forth? And so so yeah, I'm 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 so excited to help cancer patients keep health and get their life back after care. So you're going through treatment right here and are doctors encouraging exercise or is it just, you know, are they just treating disease and then you're left to, to decide what to eat and how to move? <laughs> you know what? It's, and that's a great question. And for some doctors, yes, some doctors will look you dead in the eye and say, Hey, studies show that if you exercise and eat wisely, you are more likely to reach remission. If you exercise, eat wisely manage stress, you are less likely to have a recurrence, you know? So there is a lot of data that says health and fitness, all these practices are beneficial to prevent cancer, cure cancer, and prevent it from coming back. Some doctors stick with the Western stuff and, hey, man, I'm a big fan of the chemo, radiation, and surgery because it works, right? So I, I'm, not, I'm not telling anyone to avoid that stuff. But yeah, there's a lot of doctors that just aren't even talking about it. Mine didn't talk to it. Most of mine didn't talk to me about it, but I, I'm hoping they just assumed, oh, she's a fitness expert. She knows. But yeah, I don't think enough doctors are staring their patients in the face and saying, listen, you have to keep going at whatever level possible. Sure, you may not jump into a marathon tomorrow. Most people aren't. But if you can walk around the block, you should. If you can't stand up and exercise, do that in the chair. If you're stuck in bed, here's some stretches you can do. And, you know, for those doctors who aren't fitness experts also, which basically none of them are, that's where I come in as a resource saying, okay, you're stuck in bed. Here's things you can do to uh, encourage mobility and maintain flexibility and strength while you're stuck on your back. So keep moving, eat wisely, whatever that means. Yeah. I know that's kind of an abstract thing for, for people because it's nutrition is so convoluted in terms of like the right. research and everything. But I'm curious about how the role of your mindset played in your treatment and in your recovery during this whole process. And you've touched on that, but maybe just. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and let me just really quickly say that diets are convoluted, <laughs> nutrition are convoluted, and there's hard evidence to show that there's food that helps and food that hurts. And, and we mostly know the difference. I really don't even have to go there. You know what food is hurting. So uh -huh. nutrition is a big factor. But mindset, you know, what's interesting is, you know, those, those decisions I made up front, they carried me through. And while I cried every day, I promise you, I was not this stellar cancer patient who was immortal. I was very, very human. However, I started off looking around thinking, and I'm, in Gainesville, Florida, we have a big pediatric oncology unit. There's a lot of kids with cancers roaming around. And so I was grateful that I wasn't a kid with cancer. I was super grateful it wasn't my kid with cancer. And with those two things top on my mind, I decided, okay, I'm a grown up and that's a benefit. So I'm going to put on my big girl panties and I'm just going to, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to get through it. Right. I also chose those passions. And again, if I had not engulfed myself in my children and my career, all I would have been was sick. And too many people choose that. And so, you know, my encouragement is to find something you love. If you don't love your job or you don't need to work, good for you. If you love animals, 
keep them in your world. Have a pet, visit the farm, or if you're stuck in a hospital, just watch the dodo videos on YouTube, right? Just engulf yourself with your passions. They will keep you feeling better than you would without them. And then last but not least, choose to be positive because, you know, cancer certainly is extraordinarily stressful. In fact, I've never, in all my days of living combined, none of us I had ever experienced all together compared to one day with cancer. You know, just the burdens are are extraordinary. Uh, but I chose to laugh when I could because you win no extra points by being the saddest girl or guy in the room. You know, pity party will only take you so far. So yeah, perspective, passion, positivity. And then I, I religiously coached myself up because, you know, I had, I had a, a terrorizing, for me, experience in an MRI machine. And, you know, I had to stick it out in that MRI machine, which felt like a coffin. And what was the experience? Like, was it a panic attack or? It, it was, it was. So I'm claustrophobic and, you know, so a basic MRI is bad enough. They shove you in a tube. Usually <laughs> you're on your back and then they make this scary noise. It's a, like Thor pounding on the side of the uh -huh. machine. And so that was bad enough. And I was really psyching myself up for that. But instead, in order to get to your boobs, they got to be weird. So they, they made me lie down on my face, face down. And they clamped me in by each breath. They took these metal plates and just held me into place. And, and, and my face was in this little tiny faith cradle, kind of like a massage therapy table from the dollar store, that, that little thing. And so they put me down there. I'm already starting to lose it. And then they shove me into the machine and type A. I'm such a type A person. I lost my mind. I was kicking and screaming and get me out. And the, the lady had to pull me out. She was really nice when she was clamping me, uh, clamping me in the first time. I said, hey, let me out. And so she had to come unclamp my boobs from this machine. I get up and I'm sobbing. And she said, you need to get back in there. And I said, I can't do it. And she said, if you don't get in there, they will not start chemo. And also I'm staying late for you. So get back in there. And so I gathered myself, pulled back my hair so it wasn't in my face. And she clamped me back in and shoved me back into the machine. And that was one of those, those moments in your life where you really have to dig deep. And what I found is that while I was face down for 45 minutes, and you know, anyone who was looking at me would look at me thinking, well, she's just relaxing. I wasn't relaxing. I was panicking, but I kept telling myself, I kept telling myself, you know, you, you've raised two good kids. That's hard. You've built an international business. That's hard. You used to be a competitive kickboxer. You can do hard things. You've done it before. You can do it again. And so I said it enough and I, I got myself through the MRI. And then every time I sat down for chemo or the fluids, you know, needles scared me. I was constantly reminding myself that I could do hard things. And, and thankfully, I had said it enough that 15 months later, it was all over. But, you know, most people are capable of far more than they give themselves credit for. They're they're stuck in, I can't, and that's too hard. And, you know, maybe somebody will judge me. F that. You go out and live large. You do your best every single day. What other people think of you is not your business. And uh, yeah, you'd be surprised how exciting life is once you are unleashed. And, and I, I live pretty wonderfully before cancer, but right now it's excessive. It's excessive. I fear very little and my days are all wonderful. So your book, My Noisy Cancer Comeback, who, who is this book for? 
So that book is definitely for somebody going through any sort of hard hard times. I had a, a woman who just gave birth to twins and all three of them, the mother and the children, had difficult moments in the hospital. So she just messaged me. She said, I've been listening to your audiobook and he got me through my time in the hospital. So anyone going through hard things, the books I'm really excited about right now are the ones that are coming out in January. Your Healthy Cancer Comeback, Sick to Strong. My goal, folks, is to put it in the hand every cancer patient and survivor on earth. This is not a small, unheard of disease, right? We all know and love cancer patients. We've all lost someone we love to cancer. And so the, the manual, this is a guidebook for getting those people healthy again and the journal along with it. If you don't have cancer, and I hope none of your listeners do, but if you know someone with cancer, please let them know that these books are going to enhance their life dramatically and hopefully help save their lives. And how does the journal go along with that? Yeah. So the book book is, is it's a manual. It's a guidebook. It's filled with instructions and photos and, and everything someone needs to understand how to build, rebuild their body. But then the journal is the place to document your whole cancer experience. You know, all of those dates and feelings and experiences. There's prompts for talking about what you love about your doctors, you know, friend is during who's your best shoulder to cry on. And then in the last hundred pages, it's filled with a fitness log. So you can put in all the details about making your healthy cancer comeback. When you woke up, when you went to sleep, how much water you drank, what your workout looked like, what your workout felt like, your strawberry moments. Are you familiar with strawberry moments? I'm not. What is that concept? Yeah. So the strawberry moments are something my kids do when they go to sleep away to summer camp. But strawberry moments are the best moment of your day. And they could be big or they could be small, but they're that one special part of your day that made you feel fabulous or special or happy. And, you know, that's something to be documented, especially while you're dealing with cancer, because believe it or not, it's not all bad. And, you know, there will be plenty of silver linings, but you just have to look for them. So within the journal, you know, there's constantly a, a call for for strawberry moments. And I'm really excited about people to lift themselves up because sometimes we have to do that, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, yeah. and a lot of these types of, uh, what is it, blueprints for somebody that's gone through something like you have, they're, they're, not, they're not handing these out in doctor's offices, right? They're, you have no. to, they have to go out and get these on their own. So they can find it on Amazon? Yeah. So it'll be sold. They will be sold wherever books are sold, oh, everywhere. Awesome. Um, I prefer people come to my website, business.com. Uh -huh. I have yeah. packages, like the three, the three pack and the two pack, but I sign all of those books. They all come with a free gift and allow me to connect personally with folks. But you know what? There is no competition. It's shocking to me that there is nobody else has created this type of support for the millions of cancer patients out there. So, you know, that was my responsibility. I happen to be highly credentialed, experienced fitness expert with the cancer street cred and understanding. And I will, I, I, I received so much love and support during my cancer nightmare that I am committed to paying it forward and helping as many people for the rest of my days as I can. My guest today is Fitz Kohler, and she's a fitness innovator. She's got a master's degree in exercise and sports science. She announces races, large races, like around the globe, and she has overcome cancer, and she has a new book titled My Noisy Cancer Comeback, and you have two new books on the way. 
right? Yeah. So Noisy came out two years ago, but Your Cancer Comeback, Stick to Strong, and The Journal are coming out in January 23. Awesome. So check it out. I have the links down below. I hope you guys have a great time. Fitz, thank you so much for joining. My pleasure.